All right, you chavs, welcome to the latest episode of the Back in the Band podcast, the one and only show where we relive the glory days of trying to make it big from the comfort of our school's music room. I'm your host, Stu, joined as always by my partner in musical failures, Lee. Hiya, and so yeah, by making it big, Stu means making it to the end of a song without breaking a guitar string or hitting a bum note, which obviously didn't happen very often. And today we're unplugging our bass amps that we used for the electric guitar and tripping over a mile-long trail of tangled cables as we go back in time to the 90s, a time when flannel was in fashion, grunge was king, and MTV still played music videos only. And I'll be bringing us back into 2023 with a bang and showering my Glastonbury stories. So let's put down the Ebenez guitar, pick up the broken acoustic that my mum handed down to me, turn on the lava lamp and put some incense sticks on that you brought from the local market. Here's season one, Unplugged, part one. Don't tell me you did it in your underwear like the video. You did not. That would have been better than what we had planned because <laughs> we, the song we were going to do was Last Train Home by Them oh, Who dear. Shall Not Be Named. Yeah, right? yeah. And luckily, we just couldn't get it to sound good. Like, that song is so well produced or something like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so overproduced i, I yeah. fucking love that song and we were trying to do it and we just could not and i remember the singer's now wife came around listened to us play it we finished playing it and she went you need to practice a bit more i was like we've been practicing for fucking weeks if it doesn't sound good now <laughs> there's no chance so we changed to, we changed to the middle by jimmy Eat world with Counterfeit, we didn't really have any bad gigs just because we didn't really play that many. It was either the local rock fest, which happened in different villages throughout the year. There's an Arlsey rock fest, a Langford rock fest, there was a school rock fest. I think we played the local pub in Hitchin a few times. That was always quite good fun. It was weird with Counterfeit. We never had any bad gigs, but with the band that followed Counterfeit, which we're not interested in today, we had some absolute shockers. You know, like completely empty pubs, just the three of us and the barman. In London, you know, spent a fortune getting here. Do you get paid for these gigs? You get a good few quid here and there, just never. a hot meal. Yeah, never, never got just paid. Turn up. No. In fact, a few gigs we we had to pay to play. <laughs> That's the worst. That just makes my blood boil. Oh, pay to play. Yeah, I've heard Incredible, about it. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And the mental. When you think about it back now, people are advising us, saying, "Don't you dare! Don't do it!" And we were like, "Yeah, but the opportunity." Yeah. And then, like now, I'm like, "You're a fucking idiot." We used to do things like we, when we'd play at this pub in Hitchin. The landlady, we were 15, 16, and she used to um, let us bring in our own drink and give us a bottle opener and let us drink wine in the basement. And we always felt quite rebellious then. We're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, she would definitely have had her license revoked. Like, it was mental behavior. But yeah, weren't really rebellious, just like thought we were punk rock, but also, you know, did well at school and tried hard. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give you one then. So, um, at the time, I had a nickname of Mashup Joe, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, these days, I would be classed in the metal sense as a straight edge vegan. But back in the day, I was Mashup Joe. And I remember, I think I'd just been introduced to the singer, right? And we'd gone back from the edge to an after party at his flat. And we were all sitting in there and having a drink and that. And I made that error, drinking the drink that I thought was a drink, but it was the communal ashtray in a tin. Oh. And I just spewed 
all over his flat, his guitar, his bed, and and he didn't even have a, a like a individual toilet. It was a shared toilet amongst other halls. So I had to be kind of like dragged into the toilet, spewing everywhere. And I think he didn't stick around in the band much longer after that. <laughs> I think we changed singers. But when we got to the first one, which just so happened to be on, I think it was on our AS level results night. So it should have been like a big night to go out. But we had a, what we yeah, thought yeah. was a big gig booked in Norwich. So we were like, fuck that. We're going to go to Norwich. We're going to play this gig. When we got there. The venue didn't know we were coming, but the sound man did. So we met wow. this guy and what? he was like, are you playing tonight? And we were like, yeah, we are. And he's like, yeah, I'm sound guy. But they didn't even fucking know we were coming. And there was a room there. So in the end, we set up, we did a sound check. And there was literally not a single person in that room. So oh, we went man. into the bar. So you missed your <laughs> AS results night. Yeah, we went into the bar room. and gathered up as many people as we could get to come in. But I think maybe we had six or seven people came in. We played the set and went home. And they'd left by the first song anyway. Wow. I think, I think they stuck it out just because we would have noticed if they'd left. So I think they were just... Uh, but they were stuck. no choice. I Once think you're they in, were just you're in. stuck in that room. No game. Like, excuse me, where are you going? Where are you going? Get back <laughs> stop, here. Stop, stop playing. So with that, do you know what time it is? No, mate, no, mate, tell me. Oh, I could tell you. Uh, it's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're 23. And you still act like you're a freshman year. What the hell is wrong with me? My friend, she I should act my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? I think it's about 37, nearly 36, but let's stick with 36. Cool. So that was some unplugged moments from season one. Let's go back even further then, mate. I want to talk about MTV Unplugged. Do you remember much about MTV Unplugged? I remember these like really seriously sick, like panning shots from the crowd. Like, you know, it was like really intimate. I wondered how impossible it must have been to get a ticket to that kind of thing. Or maybe you have to live in like LA or New York or something. But I don't remember loads. You know, obviously Nirvana's was the most iconic one. What do you remember about him? I remember Nirvana's one being massive for us. And then realizing that actually like it was a really pivotal thing because it made me realize that you don't have to have everything distorted and so loud. And actually mm. songs can take a different form and they're not just always like loud on your face and actually some of those songs that are like that can be stripped back and sound great before we go any further though mate did you know what the very first mtv unplugged episode was no obviously not how would i know that tell me no neither did i chat gbt tells me that it's the band squeeze and oh, yeah. elliot easton never heard of them that was in 1989 so there you go there you go and i think it's still going on like i spotify searched mtv plugged and there's like a there's a whole playlist of the best bits, which has got Jay-Z, like Katy Perry. Yeah. And... Incubus did it, right? Was Incubus was quite a big one. They did various mm. acoustic things. And I remember downloading, and this kind of goes back to the point I was starting to talk about before I got so really interrupted by my thoughts, was there was a, an acoustic version of A Certain Shade of Green, which was quite pivotal as well, because again, that song was so like frantic and electric in your face. And then it's like, oh, you can actually strip it back. And that sounds yeah. quite cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I like about covers as well. They sort of make a lot of the couple of the tracks on the Nirvana one are like covers, aren't they? But you don't even recognize the originals and just make it your own. And that's what it's all about. But like you say, yes, yeah, tones it down a bit. And I don't know. I just, I think, yeah, some of the best songs can be done acoustically. And if it's a good song, it works in any format. Right? Exactly. But, but corner full of good songs, but corner not good on MTV Unplugged. <laughs> 
I don't want to hear it. Do I have to hear it? Do I, is there I a, can I find yeah, it? I don't need to hear Hollow Life in acoustic. It just doesn't work. But then you've got this thing where a lot of them as well. For me, if it's unplugged, then go unplugged. Like the Nirvana thing was perfect, right? Because it was yeah. everything stripped back. And then, then you've got, like I say, like Jay-Z or Korn and like, they're great in their own medium, but on Unplugged, it's just... Like, yeah, probably what made the Nirvana one so epic was because I think he died pretty soon after. I might be wrong. Obviously, our listeners will email in and correct us. But I think it was like everyone was trying to watch it and detect if there were signs of his unstableness. But he put on an incredible show and maybe yeah. that's what made that one so epic. Do you think, like, for the acoustic, right, you've got an acoustic. Do you prefer playing your acoustic or do you still yearn yeah. for the days of electric? I wish I'd started on acoustic. I started on the electric, obviously, with you guys. And I just thought I'd get stuck in straight away. And no one really said you should learn acoustic. But I think it makes your fingers stronger. Strings are a bit tighter. And the electric's a bit easier as a result. But Are you going to get Oscar a little acoustic to start on? Or are you going to start him on anything in particular? That's a good shout. I'm always like thinking about for Oscar. He's only three and just what is the right age to bother. He doesn't, he's got no attention span at the moment. But I'm always like, oh, what, what do you reckon? six seven years old they start to maybe want to so down but i need to demonstrate that and keep showing him that it's cool to do it's fun yeah definitely like i think also the thing with the acoustic is and it sounds a bit gay right but you turn up at any sort of mates bash or some sort of party and then there's an acoustic especially if it's outside and stuff like you can definitely enjoy it a little bit more whereas if there's just a, an ibanez guitar in the corner yeah. you're not going to pick that up and get involved with people are you because it just doesn't that's, work that's but. part of my sort of guitar regrets really is that I can't really just pick up one and I could bother, but then at a party or just like with your family or something, just play a few like bloody Oasis songs or something. It wouldn't take me long to learn, but I don't know them at the moment. I can't bother to learn them, but that's the social aspect of it, isn't it? Like, oh, like get the guitar out, play us a song, like around a bloody campfire or something. You can imagine some wholesome scene, but I can't do it, mate, basically. But I can do Pretty Fly for a White Guy terribly. So that's good oh, for the Oh, yeah. Let's hear it then, mate. <laughs> Let's go. And all the goodies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Ah, fucked it. <laughs> 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 Be honest, man, at that age, especially around the early proceed days, our lives mainly revolved around going skating, uh, eating pasta, <laughs> and recording music, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. Uh, or like going to gigs at the square. So in terms of like rebellious shit, I don't know, really. Like in our heads, the music was like the rebellious stuff, you know? Yeah, like on the on the gigs, for example, you didn't like jump off stage and like three people did like a crowd surf and you were like... Hey, I barely moved, so <laughs> yeah. absolutely not. Um, no, I don't think so, man. We were like, you know, just pretty set on hitting the big time. Man, you're taking me back to the days of like when uh you know you're like weren't really rebellious punk kids skating did, i tried to do a bit of that i was shit at everything basically mm. to be honest and um, but it was like we'd, we'd go around with a video camera because jackass was just coming out and we're like yeah oh, did you do dude. that you so a jackass crew? we film it wasn't so much jackass as like we used to like we got really into skating videos yeah because yeah, that yeah. was a thing yeah, at the time where it's just like you'd have your trick section and we'd just punch chains over it and that's it yeah, yeah. So um, we used to film a lot of skating sessions uh, or like doing a bit of graffiti, like we graffitied proceed at the county hall car park, you know, but <laughs> oh, it's pretty rebellious, know, like... man. That's, that's all right. Yeah, I don't know. It's still there, actually. Or it was. Shots, so I went yeah. to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was in Hartford for some reason. 
I was like, fuck, I wonder if that's still there because that's going to be like, what, 20 years ago? And it was. It was, yeah, yeah, still repping. So I hope I don't get arrested after this. You said you did a few months of rehearsals. Where where were you rehearsing? Come on, give me, paint a picture for me. I want to know about this lovely studio of yours. Well, we actually had a couple of places. My mate Tom, who was the drummer, he had quite a big house in the countryside. And obviously the drum kit was already there. So it was, I don't know about like you guys, but you kind of went to where the drum kit was because they weren't yeah, that easy to kind of um, move around. So it was yeah. just in my mate Tom's bedroom. He had quite like a big house, big bedroom. So his parents didn't mind us making a bit of noise. And then um, the guitar player, the one who actually had a bit of talent, he also owned a drum kit. He was probably a better drummer than our actual drummer, but he had like, uh, <laughs> he lived in like the countryside also, had like an old shed or something like bunker that had a drum kit in it. So we used to like go there from time to time. It was at his house when, yeah, when we watched Countdown for the, the naming uh, to come up, the CRT magic. How did they, mm. what do you reckon your friends, family a little bit, do they sort of impressed by this yeah. or are they just taking the piss? Yeah, they they were well. Luckily, everyone had grown up a bit by then, and it, and it, <laughs> they were just kind of like when we actually got like put in the Guardian paper and stuff like that. They were, they were all okay with it, and then when they come to see us live at like the local uh, Charlie Browns, which would be like our biggest place you could play, maybe the Student Union or something, then they were actually oh these guys are actually quite good. And then after that, yeah, uh, they weren't supportive. Paul comes, yeah. to, <laughs> my best friend, come to one gig out of the hundreds that we'd done. And he got left on a train and ended up in, um, I can't remember it was. It was like Bedford or somewhere like that, asleep. And he was like, never again. Never again am I coming to your gig. It was like nothing to do with us. But like, you're not yeah, your fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not our fault at all. Were they supportive? Yeah. Yeah, as far as they were, like, a lot of the guys would come to gig. And all the girlies say I'm pretty flat for a white guy. That sounded lovely. <laughs> That's raw. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So Glastonbury Festival. My God, man, you need to you need to get you down there one day. Honestly, when the kids get older, when you're in the UK sometime, because it's an experience unlike anything. It sounds so cheesy, and everyone that hasn't been is just like it's just a festival. It's not just a festival. It's like living in a city of nearly three hundred thousand for five days is just overwhelming, and there's just so much to do. How many times have you been now? That was number six, which is unbelievable six times and it's a pricey old endeavor but i don't regret a single penny it was i preferred it to my holiday in portugal just for the things i wanted to do like walking around a field listening to music and chatting to strangers everyone was in just such a good state of mind and we had a couple of old work colleagues just bumping into people really good loved that but the first thing yeah was there was a big debate there's a few people with kids there and you're thinking part of you when you're a bit pissed you're like it'd be nice if oscar was here for a bit and then you're like no it wouldn't because <laughs> it's got <laughs> Because he, he's going to need a wee, or he's going to be hungry, yeah. or he's going to be tired, he's going to be horrible, and I can't bring myself around to doing it. I agree, other than but going deaf quite quickly. I also agree, yeah, you would have had moments where you're like, oh, this is a nice song, like, this would be cool, or yeah. this moment, but then, no. <laughs> so we were watching Foo Fighters, and they came out, and there was a kid next to us on his dad's shoulders. We were really far back as well, by the way. I just didn't get a good spot or anything, couldn't bother, but it didn't matter. It was sounded great. The kid on dad's shoulders, just like, what if I say you're not like the other? This kid going crazy on his dad's shoulders. It looked really wholesome for a minute, and then I and I was like, ah, oh, that's so cute. I wish Oscar's on my shoulders right now. But then an hour later, I'm like, 
passing out, knackered, like exhausted, need a rest or... But how old was that kid? Probably seven or eight, six, seven, yeah. maybe, the youngest. And he's too young at three. It's just stupid. He'll hate it. Yeah, they'll just get bored really quickly and then ruin it for you yeah. and just... No. But... Yeah. Yeah. Also, another fun fact for you, which I think you already know, I've never actually been to a festival. Yeah. That's mad. You've done the day ticket, haven't you? But you never camped or anything. You did wireless with us. I don't think I have. You came to wireless? I wouldn't yeah. even really yeah. call that such a festival. Yeah, no, London. it was fun and hot, but I don't, yeah, I hadn't even entered my mind, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I think not... I still, first of all, was I still regret not going. There was a download year. I can't remember when it was. We were probably 18 or something. I can't remember. Mm. Probably less. There was one mm. lineup that was just absurd. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. I remember going, I think it was 2005. I know Slipknot were playing, probably System as well, I think. I can't remember exactly the lineup now, but I remember, yeah. That's the I one mean, that I wish I'd been to as a whole thing. The great experiences. Yeah, honestly, I don't think you'd not like it. You'd really enjoy it. And um, it's all the surprises. Everyone's like, what's your favorite moments? You're like, not washing for five days. Was that your favorite? To be honest, that's actually one thing that did happen. Our neighbors, campsite neighbors, they had a portable shower on the Friday, maybe. They were like, we've got some leftover shower water here and their thing or whatever. Do you want some? I was like, hell yeah. So I had a little shower. You literally had soap and everything. It was great. So I got half clean for a minute, but that was only the top half of my body, mate. It was vile underneath. As opposed to lovely. As opposed to lovely, yeah. It was boiling as well, man. It was really hot and no shade anywhere. So you're just like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It was hard going. But it's all about the peaks and troughs, any festival. Probably any gig, yeah. anything. Like There's always ups and downs. But for me, like you have to time it was really important because you're always going to need a piss, but you always want a beer, right? So you're like, I wanted to see Guns N' Roses so badly and I wanted to not miss any of it. I wanted to be in a good frame of mind, so I didn't want to need a wee. So ridiculous. It's like a problem you don't have in your 20s, but when you're in your mid-30s, you're like, I might need a wee. And uh, it's quite hard to get to the toilet. Really hard, actually, to get to the toilet. Even more so for women. But when you're in the front of the crowd, it's almost impossible. But yeah, that kind of immense planning. I was like, I've got to drink my whiskey. Like, I've got to drink just whiskey. I was drinking a little neat whiskey, watching guns, having the time of my life. But I really reached a peak and it was so good. But you won't get that for lots of bands. There was lots of other things I wanted to see and I didn't enjoy that I thought I was going to enjoy. But I was just too tired or not in the mood. Guns and Roses then were obviously actually a hit. I had my doubts, but then I saw a video and I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, done done it. They did it. Like I said, I was just glad Axel wasn't a dickhead. I was mainly <laughs> worried about that because I, I knew I didn't think he was going to be. I'd heard good reports of him lately, but I think 10 years ago he was doing gigs and he was getting booed off and being an asshole, turning up late, obviously. And I was so dreading that because I didn't want that to become the Glasto story that like, oh, big diva headliner. He thinks he's too good for Glasto or whatever. He came out sure. and I think he was just, he put on his best performance he could do at his age. Yeah. So that was really good. There was another band that I saw. The music is absurd. It goes on till six in the morning, but mainly that's dance music. But there was a band on at 1.30 a.m., Biffy Clyro. Yeah. Their lead singer, Simon Neal, I think his name is, I might be wrong. He had a new hardcore band out called Empire State Bastard. And they were what? scheduled to play at 1.30 in the morning on some random stage, like quite far away, but in this real party area. And you're like, mate, I'm in bed at midnight latest at even a festival but i was like i really want to see this hardcore band i want to see their new band coming out they haven't released an album yet done a couple of tracks there i think i'll send you one it's fucking wild and he comes out on stage in a skirt he takes his top off and he just starts pig squealing down this mic for for like 45 minutes and at 1 30 in the morning i was like this is like the most surreal experience i've had my entire life <laughs> there was quite sparse crowd as well it was like no one's really that up for it but 
the people that were there were like, fucking, it's Biffy guy. He's on it. Like, he's having a ball. Really odd, but really cool experience. Honestly, I always want to keep going. I'm always, yeah. So I've been to other festivals, done them all. I'd like to go to download again one more time because probably more my type of music. But yeah, no, nothing else compares, honestly. What was your lowest point? Ooh. Anytime I need to go to the toilet, mate, it's not a pleasant experience. It's a real <laughs> long drop, suck it up and just deal with it. There's a couple. I really wanted to see a couple of bands, but I think the lack of shades makes it so hard. And even in the tents, where the music, some of the music is in the inside tents, it's so packed. You're like, I can't go in there. Like, I'm too tired or not in the mood. But I remember wanting to see this punk band. They were called Shame. And they sounded really good, but I sat outside the tent and fell asleep on my own. I was without Emily <laughs> and I just had a lie down on my bag and I was like, people were just kicking me as I walked, tried to walk past me and I was like, I can't move. <laughs> so yeah, probably that's it, getting kicked while I fell asleep listening to a punk band. Bloody hell. Quite surreal. Jeez, mate. But yeah, lots of strange moments. I'll... Yeah, it sounds good, mate. It wouldn't be worth going if you come home and said, yeah, it was all right, would it? Yeah. So... Exactly. Right there was one other gig as well, actually, if I remember. There was a guy, you, know, you heard a band called Skindred? Yeah, I've heard of them. They're like a Welsh hardcore rap rock band. I didn't really listen to them much, but I saw they did download and they put on, apparently put on a great show. And they were playing about 11 o'clock night somewhere. And I was like, Emily, come and you've got to come down and see this. It's going to be wild. Because there wasn't much on on that day. They like play this song at the end where everyone gets their tops off and just start spinning it around. I've seen it all uh, other bands doing it and stuff. But it was very strange to see it at Glastow. So I ripped my top. I wasn't sure if they were going to play it. And they played it at the end, last song. It's like top off straight away. <laughs> So good. I'm 35. No, I'm jealous, man. Like, I think I worry too much about the downtime between bands. So if I look at a lineup and go, well, actually, I like X, Y, Z, but to be honest, 50% of it I don't know. I worry about what I do in between it. So kind of go, no. Oh, that's you why wouldn't I worry look back on that download list. Yeah. I think there's just there's yeah, too much to do. There's a whole theatre section as well, man. It's quite interesting. Karaoke? Did I see you doing some karaoke before? Uh, I did, yeah. Thanks for mentioning. Yeah, I performed at Glastonbury. <laughs> I sang uh, Lion King, Just Can't Wait to Be King. And uh, I was shitting it. They they didn't even have... This is the this is the closest it's ever going to get to me being a frontman at a gig. And uh, they didn't have a screen with the lyrics. So it was like, you have to know the lyrics to the song. And I was like, I think I know about 80, 90% of the lyrics. I'll get away with it. I saw that video and I was like, he must have the lyrics in front of him because I'm surprised he knows the lyrics. So I learned it because Oscar likes it. Oscar. And I keep singing it to him. And Emily suggested it as a song to do. I know... It was that or Baby Shark, right? And you weren't interested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was really shitting it. That girl wanted to duet with me who was like the runner of the karaoke. She was like, I'll do whatever, the hornbill, whatever his name is. So we did a duet. She was desperate. I got up on stage and said, hello, Glastonbury. Emily <laughs> walked away in disgust and left you to it for the next I hour. I was like, you need to get the GoPro out. This is iconic. Headlined at Glastow. Put that on the CV. Get that on LinkedIn. Headlined at the Oxfam charity stage at Glastow. Put that on gravestone, mate. With the lights out in the stage rest, here we are now entertain us on the stupid contagious here we are now entertain us yeah <laughs> That was our Unplugged and Glasto special and the final episode of season one. So, Lee, I want to get your best bit from season one. What have you enjoyed the most about this season? You know I'm not doing this for reasons of becoming a famous podcast host. Every fucking oh, really? comedian oh, in the whole of the world has 
got a podcast and they're all trying to promote it and do something unique. But I did this because I thought you came up with a decent concept that would be interesting. And you were right. It was. And I was glad we did it. And I think that's what I enjoyed about it was that it did feel unique. I didn't feel like we were just rehashing something. We weren't just talking complete bollocks. There was a purpose. And it well, brought up a lot of great memories. And that was my definitely main Definitely talking a lot of complete bollocks. Oh, yeah. There was, yeah. A fair bit of bollocks, shall we say. Um, but I think that's it. I think it brought back a lot of memories that probably started to evaporate. This is all in the cloud now. I'm going to lose my mind. I can uh, listen back to this one day and be like, was that me? Really? That's incredible. What about you? What you enjoyed about the pod? You've done pods. You do pods all the time. What's good about this one for you? I do pods all the time, but this is the first one with someone that has a shared interest in being crap at music. Yeah, I think that's it. Just chatting to people that I haven't spoken to for ages and who are good and bad musicians, good and bad people. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just a lot of laughs, man. Just things, again, that you've forgotten. And I think that's what's been fun. Like, I think, Moving forward, it'll be cool to hear a slightly more varied set of stories. Like we've all been yeah. in crappy 14 year old bands. So now I'm like, I'm quite keen to hear more from maybe much more mature artists and than the difficulties that come with being in a band or being a musician. And yeah, I think it's cool. I'm hoping to catch yeah. up with a lot more people and hear more stories that I've never heard before. Agree. So to that end, guys, if you haven't already, check out the Instagram, Twitter. I can't remember the handles. It'll be somewhere, but just search back in the band, back in the band pod, something like that. And hopefully we'll see you on season two and have some more interesting and exciting stories of what it's like to be in a band. Yeah, I've got some big plans for posting up some old guitar tabs from the year 2002 soon from my folder up in the loft. So don't miss that, guys. It's going to be awful. I promise you. Expect nothing less from us, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak soon. It's jamming, mate. It's unplugged. <laughs>